The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the to the eleven and all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. morning. How are you? You guys look nice. What you all dressed up for? Easter. It's Easter, of course. That's why we're dressed up. Uh, has the Easter bunny visited anybody yet? Yeah? Yeah? I'm hoping the Easter bunny visits my house. I haven't seen anything yet, but here's hoping. This morning, I want to talk about kind of both things. Last week, we kind of talked about how when the story was very sad and weird that uh, it was a story of kind of like losing a friend kind of like losing someone whom we love very very much does anybody know what I'm holding what a picture of a flower very good this is a little bulletin yeah it looks like a card yeah what's up there's flowers and leaves. Yeah, so there's flowers and leaves. In fact, these flowers kind of look like some of those, don't they? They're called hyacinths. Now, what? this is actually a little bulletin that they hand out at funerals. And so when we celebrate someone's life that we don't have anymore, we often pass these out. Now, inside, they say the person's name and when they were born and when they died. And uh, they actually list my name because I was there helping out and some of the pallbearers. And they even have a psalm. But it doesn't tell us much about the person, does it? No. Why would we put hyacinths on the front? Why would we put these flowers on the front? Yeah. 
they're kind of both. They're a sad flower, but they're also a happy flower. When we put them on the front of a bulletin for a funeral, when we celebrate someone's life we don't have anymore, we're reminding ourselves that we'll see him again. That thanks to Jesus, and thanks to Jesus' love, we'll see him again. However, if I were to make one of these for my grandparents, I don't know if you guys know this, but my grand, two of my grandparents have died already. And I miss them, and I love them. But if I were going to write a bulletin about them, do you think I would just put their name and that's it? No. I would write the things that I love about them. Now, what do you love about some of your friends or even your grandparents? What are some of the things you love? Yeah. They're nice. Yeah, exactly. What else? Do they ever make you laugh? Yeah. Yeah, they make you laugh. My grandpa used to tell jokes, but he would tell jokes in a way where he wouldn't laugh. Just everybody else in the room was laughing. It was always kind of really funny. My grandma, my grandma was the nicest, sweetest person you ever met. Nice I mean, she, you couldn't help but feel better about yourself when you met her. So I remember one time I was rollerblading and I was very bad at it. And I fell down and I was crying. And my grandpa said, get up, you're fine. <laughs> now that sounds like a grandpa thing to say, right? Grandma took me inside and she didn't know how to hook up the VCR, but she hooked up a VCR so I could watch my favorite video and feel better. She was the nicest person I've ever met. If I were going to write a, a bulletin for them, I would write all the nice things they did. All the things that I love about them. I think you would do that too for people that you love. For Jesus, we talk about his resurrection. and That's a big word for him rising from the dead. But I think we should also talk about the things that we love about Jesus. Right? Because we're not, we don't just want to put Jesus' name there. We, just the day that he was born and the day that he died and the day that he rose. We want to put more things. What do you love about Jesus? Yeah. Or what were you going to say? When did Jesus die? On Good Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know. On Good Friday, we celebrated, and it seems weird to celebrate this, but we celebrated when Jesus died. Today, what do we celebrate? Jesus rising, right? Very good. But what do you love about Jesus? What do you love? Yeah. He's always there when you need help. Yeah. He forgives you. Like once or twice? Every time. Every time. What else do you love? I'm kind of, yeah. Advice? Very good. Helps us know how to live life. Phineas. You love to sleep with your monkey. It gives you comfort, right? And Jesus comforts us too. We can make it all fit, can't we? We have things that make us smile and feel good and love from Jesus. And so today we celebrate that Jesus rose and that's an important day. But more importantly, we celebrate the love that we have for this person and this God. So when you're inevitably eating candy today, I want you to think about the reason that you're eating candy. For the love of Jesus and for the love that he gives you. All right. Should we pray? Let's pray.
God, we give you thanks. You give us so many good things. We say thank you, and we celebrate the love that you give us. As we celebrate today, help us to share this love with one another and be with us at all times. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a good day. It's a very different day than we had last week, isn't it? Last week on Palm Passion Sunday, we had a fantastic beginning of the service, waving palm branches, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden we grind to a halt at the gospel and we read the passion story in its full length and boy, the kids noticed it was long, right? But after that full-length story, we talked about how it's a weird tenor. It's a weird thing to do for them to be so abrupt, so close together. It just strikes us in a little bit of an irritating way. Then we talked about one part of the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is what we're going to say today. Uh, you know the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. Some of you might even know the Athanasian Creed. But in the Nicene Creed, there's one part. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, or he descended into the dead. And we talked about how in the midst of this passion, in the midst of this tension, the suffering that Jesus went through isn't just dying. It's the relationship that's just jarring. For someone to be named Jesus, he saves. For someone to adorn himself as Christ, anointed for us. For someone to be called Emmanuel, God with us. To live a whole life aimed towards us. And then to be killed at our hands. It's jarring. There's suffering. And then, one member of our congregation, Jack Kane, asked me last week, why did Jesus have to die? I said, I'll tell you next week. So I'm going to tell you. We're going to look at a different part of the Nicene Creed today. The first part is all introduction. It sounds familiar. Now, I'm going to try to say this, but I fully admit that the Nicene Creed is not my forte. The Apostles' Creed is more my speed. But for those of you who don't care, great. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. And after that introduction to the first two parts of the Trinity, we get 
purpose for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. For us and for our salvation. In the Apostles' Creed, you'll go straight to the suffering in Pontius Pilate's hands. In the Athanasian Creed, you'll walk all over creation, but never quite get to purpose. In this creed, we say explicitly and almost hurriedly, the purpose. It's for us and for our salvation. Now, I don't think the the people writing the Nicene Creed at the Council of Nicaea in 321 were intending to be redundant. No, instead... They were intending to point to two things, I believe. Our salvation, secondly, right? We understand this in an almost transaction way. We talked about this last week. Christ's life for ours. We are forgiven. We are graced. We are blessed. We have life abundant because of our brother in baptism, Christ. We receive a death like his and a resurrection like his and we believe, especially in our funeral moments, in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. We also believe for us, not in some kind of transaction way, but in some kind of relational way, that somehow God in this moment is for us. Jack Cain asked me, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I don't believe that Jesus had to die on a cross. I don't believe that Jesus had to die explicitly at that moment or explicitly at that hour. I believe that Jesus died to show us the bounds of God's love and the limits of God's love. If you've ever gone to an Easter vigil, there's 12 readings that we can do and it spans the whole Bible. Now, I'm not going to read 12 readings to you. I'm not going to do that today. We're going to get out of here in plenty of time. But it begins with Genesis. It begins with the creation of the heavens and the earth. And as God made the foundations of all that is, as God participated in that creation, God made light and darkness. God divided land and seas. God made lights for all those things and all of a sudden there was life in the sea and in the air and on the land and everywhere else and in the midst of that creation God made one thing uniquely God made one thing like God and that was humanity and God saw that it was good and God dwelt with it but we're humanity aren't we and we did what we always do we stumbled just a little bit I mean, it wasn't that big of an error to eat an apple. It wasn't that big of an error to eat the wrong apple. I have ate the wrong apple many times. Many times. It's not that big of an error, but we stumble a little bit. And there's appropriate punishment and appropriate forgiveness. There's grace. But humanity goes down that track and again and again. And by the time we get to Noah, we're so far off track that God decides to wipe the entire earth clean of all of creation, of all of the animals, of everything, except for a tiny little capsule where God puts what God thinks is good. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And it quiets down and earth is born again. And we're good for a while. And then God does something weird. God makes a promise directly 
to a man called Abraham. And this promise to Abraham is to bless not only Abraham's family, but all the families of the earth. And in this, all the families of the earth, that means you and me and everybody else. But Abraham's family kind of struggles to get this. First Lot struggles, then his descendants struggle, then Abraham's descendants struggle. Eventually, Abraham's great-grandsons beat one of themselves up, Joseph, sell him into slavery. He goes to multiple places, Egypt, one of them. But there's grace and forgiveness. But then they're enslaved again in Egypt. God brings them out and shows love and mercy. And they complain once they get to the Red Sea. God shows them through the Red Sea and they complain when they're in the wilderness. God shows them into the promised land and they complain that they can't receive it. God punishes and walks around for 40 years and brings them back and delivers the land into their hands. They complain that they don't have a king. And so God gives them a king and they complain that it's not enough. And the kingdom divides and they go against each other. And so God sends prophets and priests and they kill them. And God sends more and they kill and more and we kill. And then all of a sudden everything's laid to waste. And then God lets us build it again. And the second temple comes and more priests come and more scribes come. And what do we do? We do what we always do. We fall a little bit and we fall a little bit more and the Romans come and we're occupied and then Christ comes. And up until this point, we have seen God extend more and more grace, more and more mercy. Up until the point of Christ, more and more. But God was kind of far off, right? But when God becomes flesh and God dwells among us, we have 33 years of things being all right. And three years of Jesus' ministry where it's fantastic, where people are being healed, where the kingdom of God comes near, but there's tension. And what do we do? We do what we always do. We kill. We take what is good and we crush it. It seems like the saying of your mom when you were growing up and roughing housing in the house is true. This is why we don't have nice things. We don't know how to act when we have them. Now before Christ, God was away. But in Christ, God was flesh. God was real. God could get hurt. And what did we do to God? When God came down to be with us, for us, among us, we killed God. And so from the beginning of creation till now, we are asking ourselves, what is the limit of God's love one would think, logically, respectfully, that the limit of God's love ends when we kill God. When we hang God on a tree, watch his body suffer, and then bury it. The reason Christ died on a cross to show us that there is no limit to God's love. Because when God raised from the dead, when Jesus raised from the dead, it is not as if hellfire started raining for our sins. No. Jesus rises from the dead and goes out before us 
Angels make an announcement. They run back. They hardly believe. But once we get farther in the story, Jesus appears among us and says, Peace be with you. Not what have you done. Not who's laughing now. None of that. All, I mean, God stands before us and loves us and gives again grace and mercy. You can search for the limits of God's love, but you will not find them because God will die in love for you. God will die in passion for you. God will die in purpose for you. God dies not because of some transaction that needs to happen, but because God will be for you no matter what. Even when the hammer and nail is in your hands, even when you crush what is good. This Easter, I pray that the boundless, limitless love of God, the grace of God, pours out on you, on your families, on all the families of the earth. Thanks be to God for the cross. Amen.